Father God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to get into your word. I thank you, God, that it has nothing to do with my performance. And I thank you in advance that your word will not return unto you void. That it will accomplish everything that you have preordained for it to accomplish. Father God, for the next few moments, I ask that it's not me speaking, but you speaking through me. That you would bring your anointing into this place. To touch every heart in this place, to prepare it, to be good soil, to receive this word tonight. Father, if there is any dirt in my life that may hinder or prevent people from receiving this word, I ask that you just remove it right now. I thank you, Lord, for your word and for this opportunity to deliver your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Well, good evening, everybody. For those of you who haven't been here in a while, my name is Tyler Hagerman. I'm the minister of this movement. And uh, we have been in a series of uh, talking about honor. And we're, we're taking a little break from that right now. And if we get back to that series, we get back to it. Um, But at last week and, and this week, I, I feel the Lord is kind of taking me in a different direction. And so we're just going to obey and, and move wherever God says that we're going to move. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about a very specific question that may sound odd right now, but it's going to make sense here in a few minutes. The question is, where is your address? That's the, that's the title of tonight's message, and I ordinarily don't share titles with you. Uh, they're really more for my benefit as far as logging away purposes. But as far as where is your dwelling? The dwelling as far as being in the presence of the Lord and, and being in relationship with Him. And so t- we're just going to get into, into the words and the story that we're, that we're digging into tonight is about Jesus delivering the man who was possessed with a legion of demons. And so, earlier on in this chapter, they, they were on, they're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and so they just made it to the other side. And so, we pick up in verse 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of uh, the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there uh, met him a man who lived among the tombs with an unclean spirit, who made the tombs his dwelling. And no one could bind the man, for not even chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, night and day, 
He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me before the time. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he, being Jesus, asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding near the mountains. So the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, so that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And those who fed the swine went back and and told what had happened in the city and in the country. Then they came to Jesus and saw what had been done to the demon-possessed man who had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened and what had happened to the demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with Jesus, saying, Depart from our region. And when he got to the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. Instead, he said, Go home to your friends and tell them the great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he, meaning, meaning the man, departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. There's a few things that I want to break down here. First off, we like to, to break down everything that is involved in the story. We like to, I, I like to study out uh, what is significant about the place, what is significant about the people in the, in the history involved. So let's first get, get our, uh, our bearings as, as far as the, the setting of this place. What was significant about the Gadarenes, the country of the Gadarenes? Well, as far as the, the history there, you had, the, these were the descendants from the tribe of Gad. And the tribe of Gad were the ones that did not cross the Jordan into the, into the promised land. They were the ones that said that this land is suitable for their livestock, and so they did not want to cross over. So these were the people that stopped just short of the promise. They settled for good enough when God intended for them to have perfection. That, that is the who in this story as far as, as the, the people that, that this is concerning. Now, there's a few things about the, the, the demon-possessed man that we need to understand. One, this is just a summary. He was living among the tombs. Basically, he had no house. Two, later on, you, you see that he was clothed in his right mind. And so before that point, he was not clothed, so he was naked. He was without clothing. So he was without a house, without clothing. I'm going to take a break for a second, and we're going to get back to this in just a minute. But those are generally the two things that are provided for by the father, but more specifically the family. 
Now we're going to come back over to, to the third part of the things that we need to know about this man before we can continue. He was always crying out and cutting himself with rocks. This man was in a grieving state. He could not get past a certain traumatic event. We'll discuss that here in a minute. Number four, he was bound with chains, and the chains could not hold him. They could not control him. We at the movement believe in not looking at the fruit of a situation, but, but we prefer to look at the root of a situation. So the, the, the fruit of this guy's situation is that he is demon-possessed, that he is possessed by a legion of demons. My question is, how did he get there? How did he get to that state of mind? How did he get to that, that place of torment? First, I, I want to wrap my hand around the, the question of who bound him. Who were the ones that bound him? Obviously, they were the Gadarenes. Why did they bind him? This man was a constant reminder to them that they did not possess the authority to help him in the way that he needed help because they did not operate underneath the covenant because they stopped short of the promise. They did not enter the land of the, the promise of the covenant. Therefore, they were not under the covenant. Every time that a foreign army would invade Israel, every time the gatherings were the first ones hit, they were the first ones conquered because they were not underneath the, the covenant protection. Look it up. Every time in history that Israel was invaded, it was always the Gadarenes that were slaughtered first. So these people did not have the covenant, and he was a constant reminder to them of that weakness, that they had no authority. What did the change represent in this, in this particular story? Obviously, since we're talking about covenant here, I believe that these chains represent religion, that religious spirit that tries to bind the church up. That, uh, that every time that this man is, is having issues, legalism comes up to try to bind him even more. But really, it's something they have no control over. So I believe that the chains here represent religion. Now we're going to dive in, in, into some different words here that we can have some deeper meaning to them. House. Being that he, he lived among the tombs, he had no house. House, if you go back in, into the, its context, it doesn't simply just mean dwelling place. House, at, at the root of its meaning, means family. You had the house of Abraham, you had the house of David. In my father's house, there are many mansions, meaning in my father's family, there are many positions. Okay, so there's house. We may, we may dive into that a little, bit, a little bit more here in a second, but I, I want to try to get through this. Clothes. The Greek word that is used for, for clothes, for he, he is clothed in, in his right mind, is the same as a garment or mantle of identification. So this man has no family, has no house, and he is without identity. The tomb is a place of memory or a memorial. So basically he, he is 
a man with no family, a man with no identity, living in dead memories. And obviously he was grieving. Through, through much prayer and meditation on, on, on this particular story, um, I'm going to be a little bit bold here as to try to, to, by looking at all the evidence, to try to figure out what was the root of this, guy, this guy's issue. There's also one more thing that Jesus said that, that kind of helps solidify this. Go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you, not go home to your family. What I believe caused this guy to be in such an emotional state to where he allowed bitterness and allowed himself to be opened up to be able to be possessed by the legion. I believe that his family died, that it was taken from him, and that he was in, the, in, in a state of grieving and mourning, and he could not be comforted, not by anybody in the town, by nobody. And so he lost his house, he lost his family, he lost his identity in that process. And so he, he allowed bitterness and he allowed grief and depression <clears throat> to consume him. And there's, there's very, something very interesting about trying to, when you try to understand the enemy. The enemy does not have the power to create, only the power to pervert and distort. So the way the story started is a shadow of how the story ends. So let's look at how it ends and we'll, we'll see the correlation here. Let's see. And when the, the townspeople came back, they saw him clothed in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Before, he was uh, naked, yelling and cutting himself with rocks and living among the tombs. Basically, what happened after this encounter is it restored everything that was taken away. You have naked, depressed, and living among dead things. And then suddenly, he is clothed in his right mind and sitting at his new address, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He has made Jesus his new house, his new address, his, his new family. And look at what happens afterward. Go home and tell your friends the great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion for you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So he, go, he goes from a man stuck in grief who has let bitterness consume him to the point of, being, of allowing himself to open, be opened up and be demon-possessed by the legion. 
from one encounter with Jesus becomes an evangelist that goes into Decapolis. I'm a nerd, so I looked up Decapolis as far as the meaning. Decapolis means place of ten cities. So before this one town comes in, they hear the gospel, they hear the good news that had happened to this man through Jesus, and they reject it. So this guy goes to Decapolis, he goes to the place where ten cities intersect, and then ten cities receive the gospel instead of just one town rejecting it. That is what happens when you encounter the love of God. When you encounter the the, the freeing power of Jesus. You go from bound, no identity, an orphan, to free, peace that surpasses all understanding and a prince of the kingdom of God. I know this may seem like a very basic message to you, but I heard something from, from Reinhard Bunky a couple weeks ago. If you want the results of the original gospel, then preach the original gospel. I believe the church as a whole is about to get back to basics. We, we can try to, to you know, go off of this shoot and that shoot and just talk about what Paul said and just do this and just do that. Or we can get back to the original gospel and just talk about the love of Jesus. When you find him as your new address, when you make him your house and your dwelling, That puts you in position to walk in your calling. When you make Jesus your dwelling place, your secret place, the secret place of his word, of his presence, of prayer, of fasting, when you make his presence your top priority, then you will find everything that is necessary for you to walk in the calling that God has for you. Not all of us are called to preach from a pulpit. Not all of us are called to a healing ministry or prophetic ministry. However, we all have a calling. And in order for you to discover the calling that God has on your life, You have to be so immersed in the presence of God, in seeking his presence, in seeking to understand and know who he is and what he done and the the character that he has in order for you to walk in the character that he has for you. feel released to to stop right there. Yeah. If any of you need 
need prayer for anything, or need just somebody to to listen to you. Um, I'll be here after service if you all need me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get into your word, to get into your presence. I ask that this word would be fruitful in the hearts of your people. That way it would be reproduced out in the world. That this would be a seed that will, that will flourish to impact so many lives around us. Father God, give us a hunger for your word and for the original gospel. The gospel of Jesus and Jesus alone. Not striving for everything that we do to, to try to achieve Acts chapter 2. But just seeking you. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. As long as we make you our top priority, everything else will just fall into place. So Father, I thank you for what you are doing in the hearts of your people, what you are about to do through this ministry and through this church. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everybody.